today have longtime friend of the podcast, Byron Cobalt. Byron, welcome to the Fantasy Football Franchise, formerly the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast, but um, all the same RSS feed. Uh, how's your summer been? Pretty good. It's been uh, fairly rainy, I'd say. Um, there's we had a lot too. of... Yeah. Um, been a summer of... Well, I got three young kids, so we haven't... If, if we Whenever we go anywhere, it's not like we have a vacation. It's like we just take care of them somewhere else. But besides yep. that, it's um, you know, been uh, staying on the pulse of fantasy a little bit, trying to... Um, get ready for the season, make sure to be rested up, get all the, uh, you know, get the brain glucose going, I guess. I don't know if I've succeeded you, in that, but. Did you watch preseason much this weekend? A little bit. I, um, I'm actually, my opinion on preseason is that not all information is good information. No. Necessarily. Like it's preseason to me is very subjective. Like, or I guess not objective is probably a better way to put it. So I don't prioritize watching preseason unless I'm watching my jets. Um, I, uh, uh, am in general more interested about like the decisions teams to be making as far as like who they rest and who they don't. The individual performances, it's, you know, for every one player who actually, for every Victor Cruz, you got like three David Clownies. So I'm, I'm not a huge preseason guy. I actually think it kind of hurts my ability to tell what's going on. I like watching preseason from the perspective of, what types of sets are being run out there offensively and just understanding like kind of the lay of the land. Cause yeah. you know, like the team, the, it's it, what I noticed from this past weekend is the teams that were, you know, pretty new or didn't have a really great season last year. They trotted out their whole like starting group essentially for a good chunk of the first half. Like, I was watching Carolina and it's like oh so we're just gonna come out and play Adam Thielen and DJ Chark like right away like and fortunately Mingo is in the mix there so I'm like yes got that one right for Dynasty but still it's like it's you could tell the teams that were trying to figure out who they were kept their guys out there for a lot longer Green Bay kept love out there less than I expected yeah but um, he did well enough, and then I I didn't get. I mean, Wilson looked okay in that game, that Carolina game, but that was uh, the Carolina Jets game. But that was kind of the the in in essence what I what I was able to watch. I kind of watched. Thank goodness for NFL Network. I watched a little bit of all of the games. So oh, nice. I had yeah. a I had a free weekend. Unlike you, yeah. my my family <laughs> went down to visit the in laws, so I was able to oh, okay. kind of watch watch a little bit more than than the average yeah uh, but I, I you normally don't get to watch much preseason football because one it's not really enjoyable two it's it's uh it's not really relevant to what the actual outcome is going to be throughout the season so you got to yeah. take it with a grain of salt and it's kind of like you're just watching your own team honestly yeah well i mean like and since you mentioned the panthers too like i actually was pretty impressed with the jets pass rush against like effectively the starters for the panthers o-line mm-hmm. that yeah. was a lot of people don't like the McDonald pick, but I think about like when the Giants beat the, you know, had their Super Bowl winning teams, and they're they could basically try it out. Who was it? You know, Justin Tuck, um, OCU Minura, Matthias Kiwanuka, like all in the same D line at the same time. Like there's 
it's one of those you, you can go beyond the starting lineup with your pass rushers and just because they rotate like the your defensive lineman who plays the most right now is going to play like 52 percent of the snaps so I think there's um, there's a lot of value in having a lot of depth on the defensive yeah. line, and I think the Jets are starting to do that. That's what a lot of NFL teams, uh, Packers, a lot more depth on the defensive line too. You just see with the way they drafted and uh, and everything. And I'll say too, Jets being able to do on the defensive line side against that offensive line that Carolina puts out there. That was yeah. that's not a that that's a stout line actually. So it was kind of goes to show the the versatility of the Jets defense in, in my opinion and and uh, a lot more uh, other things to come um yeah not I mean I don't know what other storylines to really talk about with preseason I mean the Packers scored a lot that was cool that, that was yeah. fun to watch at the end of the game they were just busting out runs like like Cincinnati's defense didn't want to be out there in the fourth quarter third fourth quarter it felt like and uh well, Packers, uh, I think it was his fourth string running back, busted out yeah. like a sixty-yard touchdown, which was kind of cool. So yeah. I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe there's something there. Uh, I, I'm not sure, but yeah, <laughs> I don't think he's going to be getting uh, six carries for a hundred yard, over a hundred yards and two touchdowns consistently throughout the season. So. Yeah, um, like I guess one thing obviously is we were just part of the uh, draft where at the beginning of the draft we had uh, Dalvin Cook and Zeke Elliott did not have a team, and not only did they have a team, but it felt like they uh, by the end of the draft it feel like not only they had like signed with the team, but probably played three seasons and retired. But, yeah, um, that's that was the development. Um, I um, uh, the biggest instance I've had, so I used to do multi-day drafts back when I was most of my fantasy competitors. I went to like, you know, when I was in high school and I remember drafting, going, doing hockey and drafting, I think it was Danny Heatley. And then that night he like got in a car accident and like, uh, the, his passenger died or something like that. And it was like, it was my first round pick the night before. And thankfully I've never seen something like that again, but I drafted Israel Abanaconda about three hours before the Jets signed Dalvin Cook. So. <laughs> well, and it's funny, too, because I had a, a buddy in Dynasty who drafted Atacanda, and that was his only pick. And he's not, like, he doesn't know college football at all. He didn't know what he did at Pittsburgh. And yeah. all of a sudden, that pick looked incredible. And then, like you said, Dalvin Cook comes. Dalvin Cook signs, and then Brees Hall uh, is all exactly. of a sudden off the pup, and it's just like okay, well, I guess. Uh, and and you still have like Xavier Knighton too, so it's like, yeah, right, like or yeah, Zonovan, is they, Zonovan Knight. Yeah, yeah he's Zonovan Knight. Um, I'd forgotten how much he dropped off after the first two games when he came onto the scene pretty strong last year. I don't think he's going to make the roster now because Michael Carter has been playing pretty well, and he's more of a stereotypical uh, third down back. Yeah, Knight was more of a true handcuff type to Brees Hall, and then Abanaconda is kind of like that too. So he I'm, saved me in Dynasty last year, Zonovan Knight. Yeah, he's – um, from... we'll, we'll see. I, I think he may end up on the – he's going to be on a practice squad if another team doesn't sign him off. He's going to be on the Jets' practice squad if he doesn't get signed. No, I, I he'll be think... on the Cardinals probably by the end of the year. Let's be you honest. Think so? Yeah. I don't know. Like, if it's, yeah. I mean, like, look at who the Cardinals have at running back right now. It's like James Conner and then – after that, the floor just drops to the basement. This is like got Corey Clement, shout out former Badger, yeah. and then 
Tyson Williams, the 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 oh, yeah. two week the two week stud from who's in Baltimore. It's just so <laughs> like that's why I said Zonovan Knight is probably the next like Arizona running back or some some team that always just has one of those guys that you're just like, ah, oh, I remember that guy. It's a good time for about a week. Um, but it's uh, it's interesting. And so just to preface, uh, Byron and I were in a draft for a little fun sweepstakes thing called Battle of the United States. Uh, it's basically the goal of the league was to try to get 50 teams into this kind of big tournament style thing. Somebody from each of the 50 states and a couple of international um I don't think they succeeded very well because in our uh, in our section of this quote unquote fifty team league, there's three people from Minnesota, including myself. So I don't think they uh, I don't know if they drilled that down very well, but um, it's it's fine. You know, it's it's difficult to to do that, but uh, um, I think they did a pretty good job. It's a pretty well represented league in terms of the eclectic styles and uh, just the way people go about it so um i don't know i i, th- I know one of the guys is from wisconsin in our league so shout out to the nick saban division uh 14 have, team ppr and uh we'll see what happens i i didn't know we had that many minnesotans i'll have to share the video how to speak minnesotan that you can find on youtube um, I don't even talk. I mean, I talk yeah. more like Wisconsin than Minnesota, though. To be frank, well, let's talk about like how like it takes you know to proper to say goodbye. It takes something like um, you know basically it has minutes. to happen overnight. Like you can't. Yeah. <laughs> and and the best anything could possibly be going is not too bad, and like it's um, not so great is pretty bad. But if you say anything more than not too bad, then you're getting a little bit like uppity. That's 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 what I picked up from this training video. So that's funny. Um, there's a, oh shoot, I forget what the movie's called, but there's a really good movie on Netflix right now about, well, it's a, it's a movie that's been out for a while, but it, the preface is the lady gets placed from her, her uppity up C-suite position in Miami and gets relocated to New Ulm, Minnesota. And it, it's a, it's, it's definitely a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a knee slapper. It's a good sense of humor movie. I forget what it's called. Uh, I'll probably get roasted by somebody for not remembering, but my wife and I watched it. It's, and it was like it's a good family-friendly film. I was like, "Holy smokes!" Netflix actually coming out with something where I don't have to shield my eyes every time something graphic comes up for a change. So, um, yeah. But okay, this draft was really weird. Obviously, I, this is probably the first draft I've been a part of that had so format was eight hours between eat to make a pick, and you, and then they stopped the draft at um 9 p.m my time i think and then they didn't reach or was it like 10 p.m my time i'm not sure was, i thought it was 2 a.m eastern but it was like it was supposed to be the end of the night and then resumed once the you know everyone was done since once that one guy is done sleeping in in the morning or something <laughs> yeah once that that's funny actually because one of the guys who's in charge of the league is in arizona um which yeah. would explain why it, it started when it did um <laughs> well, it, it's so hot there, he probably has to like peel himself off his bed in the morning, so it takes him a couple hours. Yeah, something like that. So, just kind of looking at the draft results here, what were some of the surprises that you saw from just the the way the yeah. the way the whole thing went? I was just it's some there was some stuff. 
I, w- I wasn't too surprised, but there were some things that were just like, huh, that's interesting. I um I couldn't I was a little bit surprised with how the first round played out where it was heavy quarterback but so this is a super flex league so it yeah. was um I'm trying to I'm trying to pull it up on the app I know I can get it somewhere but they um it went quarterback for the first six picks I believe heavy quarterback I f- yeah it, I feel like it's the run didn't end when it should have if that was the case if the market's being set at quarterbacks to that degree. I was pick. Um, I, we I was were pick at. 11. I was. Tw- uh, you were twelve. I was, I was thirteen. Right? Uh, no, I think I was eleven. You were twelve. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ele- yeah. We were in the eleven, twelve spot. So basically, yeah. honestly, kind of the same spot, essentially. Yeah, that's the pit. I, I hate. That's my in the snake draft. That's my least favorite spot to pick because you don't get any Mine of the too. benefit of the snake, but you still lose yeah. that drop off in the beginning. But the I. I, Justin Fields wasn't supposed to fall to pick number eleven. I think you're in a super flex. If you're going, if it's going to be a quarterback heavy league, you're supposed to be looking at you know the proxy like the top skill players at that point. So I was happy when Justin Fields slipped, um, and then it because uh, I mean I mean to be fair, like I'm not the biggest super flex expert. Like I haven't been playing that format for as long as I've been playing just regular. Like, no, say, PPR. me neither. This is the first time I've ever done it. Yeah, it's. Um, but it was an interesting balance because there's also, um, it took a while for, I guess, just specifically talking quarterbacks. Um, there's a big gap between everyone's second quarterback and third quarterback, maybe too big of a gap given how many of those second quarterbacks are either dealing with injuries or aren't guaranteed starters necessarily. Um, there, it was also one where, um, I don't know if it's a deep year. I mean, it's a 14 team league, but I was surprised that, people were jumping on kickers and defenses in round like 15, I think instead of 19, I'm like, or 18 and 19. I'm pretty religious when it comes to the last two rounds with that. But um, yeah, those are the two things that probably stuck out to me the most. I don't think, um, uh, I mean like some normal runs, I like some clever picks in there that we'll probably get to, but those are the first observations for me. Yeah, that was probably mine too. Um, I yeah nine out of the fourteen picks here. I'm looking at it right now. Where we're quarterbacks, and this is just a good litmus test, especially you know understanding it's super flex and just all of those things considered. So let's see here. I'm looking at your board right now. Interesting call with uh, Cooper Cup. You took yeah. your uh, your doppelganger, Greg Kittle, <laughs> George Kittle. Yep. Sorry, had to get Kerry um, um, Kittle's not my doppelganger, but same alma mater. But yeah, George yeah. Kittle. I've uh, that's right. I needed to. I mean, when the opportunity came up, I could either wait on Dallas Goddard or get my doppelganger. So I got. Yeah, him. yeah, yep. No, for sure. Um, I like the the Khalil Herbert pick. Aged like a fine wine after the weekend. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and. Trey Lance, interesting move. So my logic here with Lance, so once we got to that point in the draft, I was really looking for home runs potentially as opposed to, um, you know, filling in the gaps in the starting lineup. What I really ended up doing here, and this wasn't entirely planned, but it kind of worked out this way, is I'm kind of punting week one. So I have Brees Hall, I have Kyler Murray, I have... 
um, Bateman. Tra- I mean, Bateman. I have Trey Lance. I have a lot of players um, who are not uh, Cooper Cup. Honestly, like like some players who are like potentially iffy going into the season. Yeah. Which I like the idea of. Kind of lumping all your risk into the same bucket because then if you find a way to mitigate it, you come out big. And there are a number of different ways to do this. So you could do this by having a bunch of like I've seen people do like just take all injured players. That's kind of what I did. Whereas the upside then is okay. Well, if they stay healthy because anybody could get hurt, then you get really good value. You could say stack all the players in the same bye week together. Punting a position is like this. So zero RB is like this. The idea is you get a market inefficiency because. You put all of your weaknesses on top of each other and you just give up in this one spot and everything else then more than makes up for it. That's the idea. So if I can take advantage of the fact that week one can be a crapshoot sometimes where I've kind of laid up here and I will be pretty well positioned once some of my uh, studs get a little healthier. And um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how free agency plays out with the league too. Um, There there are a number of different ways the league could be very... uh, could be very bid heavy it could be very active it could be um it could be a league where people are a little bit more i mean like not inactive but um are hey hold on to that i guess their their depth guys for much longer before jumping ship on them so we'll see how that plays out as the season goes what you did with running backs is kind of similar to with what i did with wide receivers so your running back room i like how you kind of you you took your shots from the back a little bit here. So yeah. Brees Hall, very good value in the third. And then you got Gibson in the eighth, Herbert in the ninth, Algier. This is one of my favorite movies. Algier in the 12th and Hubbard in the 14th. That's a sneaky good. That's There's some value there that I don't think a lot of people are going to identify that late. But yeah, sometimes yeah. drafts don't go this deep to to find that value. So that's that's where. And then you got um, then you got oh man, his last name always Israel Atakanda. Atakanda, yeah. Oh, not Atakanda. Um, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, it. Not Justin. So Ross that was good. Ross. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then I took. So I did it from a receiver standpoint. So. I as soon as I saw all the quarterbacks getting taken, I took. So remember when, that episode with JJ Zacharyson a couple of weeks ago, where he talked about being in that twenty-team league and how he just decided everybody was drafting quarterbacks, so he decided to draft wide receivers. That's why yeah. I drafted Kelsey because I was like, I don't know where else I'm. I need to take the top. Like I need to. I need to take the top of some market in this draft to own it and then not have to worry about it until, like, a couple rounds later. And then, yeah. of course, like, I'm big Chigakonkwo a fan this year, and he fell to me too. And so that's why I took the tight end right away. I, I normally would have never done that, but because of it being a 14-team league and nobody else would have probably taken him until the 201, I thought I'm going to expedite this and just try to own this market best I can. And I could be completely wrong, and definitely regression is the mean, but I think that's what made sense from where I sat at that point. Yeah, there, we have definitely seen, um, ever since I started tracking the, my fantasy games one stat, that the a player like Travis Kelsey I don't think is properly valued. And then, I mean, granted, this is normally for one quarterback leagues, but 
the the gap between him and all the other tight ends it's 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 huge it it um it's it's a huge value he was pretty much the mvp last year for like the f- almost un undisputed for the first like 12 weeks of the yeah. season at least so I like the idea of getting Travis Kelsey. Not going to lie, I forgot you took him because when you took Chica Conquo, I was like, oh, okay, well, that's a decent value for your starting tight end. Wait, you already have Travis Kelsey? So, um, yeah. And, it's, uh, but I don't look at I don't look at Travis Kelsey like the tight end. He's a, he's a slot. He's a slot guy, basically. Like, honestly, they should have – slot can be so many different things from a tight end to your smallest receiver. Like, it's – the definition of slot and edge is – is so vast in the NFL yeah. and in football right now. I think that position is is undefinable at this time because sometimes it can be a wide receiver, sometimes it can be a tight end. In college, sometimes it's a fullback if you're at a service academy. So it's like yeah. it, it's so it's so different depending on your situation, it, the way the game is evolving and sh- and shifting. And that's why I've gotten super like, and I know zero RB has been around for a while, but I've this year, for the first time ever, it feels like, from a ADP standpoint, all of the big sites are really starting to push the value of the wide receivers a lot more than I've ever seen before. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you if if you'd agree with that, but I haven't seen these types of things for wide receivers. I mean, there's usually like one up there, but not. Well, as many as there are right now in the top 10. Well, yeah, if you're looking, I, I don't remember a year like this where receivers were better represented in the first round, especially at the top, because if it weren't, you know, in, in the one QB leagues, now we're looking at really Justin Jefferson, uh, Jamar Chase. Chase as the, uh, and McCaffrey as the main choices for first pick. Like, it's been a while. I think Antonio Brown in maybe 2017 was like the last time yes. when a wide receiver was a consensus number one compared to Justin Jefferson now. And I like chase more than Jefferson too. So this is, I'm, it's always tough to tell what is a matter of just like, you know, what's the temperature of the room, what's being pushed as opposed to what's like really going on on the field to cause this. My, I do think there's, um, the, the fantasy world takes a while to react to things when they change. So like when, if, when it becomes a better idea to take a wide receiver early because they're more likely to stay healthy, I think that that might be happening, and this might be finally catching up to that reality. Um, at the same time, I also think that the you don't. It makes sense to me for the early receivers. For the mid round receivers, there are so many mid round receivers that end up being just like a black hole in your starting lineup because they just the volume of receivers because you're talking about, you know, target shares that are like between 15 to 20% or so you'll have games with nothing. You don't have that with running backs too. So it, it, it's an interesting, I don't know if I would necessarily call it a push, but I have noticed the same trend you're talking about. I wonder after watching fantasy this or watching, not fantasy watching, uh, well, I mean, preseason might as well be fantasy. Um, it, so, Wide receivers, I think this year we're going to see an uptick in wide receiver rushing yards hmm. across the entire league. I think yeah. it's I th- that's going to be a stat that I kind of want to watch for, not <clears throat> not like an individual like, but I think what happened two seasons ago when Shanahan basically moved Debo to running back, 
yeah. triggered something in the minds of offensive play callers and offensive minds across football. And yeah. I think we're going to be seeing wide receivers getting involved and integrated into the run rush attack and run game more than we have seen in the past. I can't I'm not saying that's going to happen and who knows maybe all the teams um were just trying it out this weekend, but there were a lot of teams that were doing wide receiver rushing plays, jet sweep type things. Like the Packers have two guys in Jaden Reed and Christian Watson who are more than capable of taking the ball on a jet sweep and doing a run play similar to what Debo did. And not saying they're Debo, but they have those they have that type of build and athleticism. So that's something that I think we could be looking at this season that I hadn't really factored in from an, the entire calculus of the league, but I'm just I'm pulling up Debo's numbers right now as oh, we yeah. sit because I, I just want to like eight rushing touchdowns or something. Yeah, they, I know what you're saying because like honestly, there's there's an arbitrary nature to the positions in football, and like we've seen yeah. the tight end position basically it's no longer tight end like you're saying it, it's 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 barely it's a bigger barely slot receiver, right? Yeah. So there's no reason why, especially when you have such a variety of athletes to choose from when building your team, why you need to have people that are super designated as backfield guys versus guys that are split wide. Jameer Gibbs could be a good example of someone who really blurs the line. Remember when um, Denard Robinson got the label as offensive weapon for the Jaguars when he uh, came in as a rookie, yeah. like what was that eight years ago at this point? He um, maybe that was a little bit. Maybe the Jaguars staff couldn't quite capitalize on that idea, but I do think that more and more the um, the offensive evolution of the NFL, I could absolutely see blurring the lines between positions sooner rather than later, um, and some players who. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe Jameer Gibbs is the best example. B. John Robinson also is a rookie. Also, he uh, he's not yeah. built like someone you would expect to necessarily flex out the wide receiver, but he has the skills to do it to an extent. Yeah, so I think so. I think let's if we go back to the evolution of this. So obviously, Antonio Brown occasionally would get like a, a jet sweep type of thing. It wasn't very. It was very far and few between, but it was the occasional opportunity he'd get to do that sort of thing. Um, And then I think the Packers had to accidentally do it with Ty Montgomery, who's now a Patriot. And that was, uh, and and it's kind of funny because he's been a running back ever since, but he's always worn a wide receiver number. Yeah. Um, But he's never played wide receiver since uh, he's moved around the league to New Orleans and New England. And then, uh, and then um, Bill Belichick, had Patterson become yeah. a running back, essentially. Yeah. And Patterson has been a better version of Ty Montgomery in his, you know, next couple, yeah. st- you know, in Atlanta and stuff. So Patterson is that kind of that hybrid. And I hope that um, Lavishka Chenault realizes that he's not really a wide receiver someday and just accepts the the running back role and, and wears that hat. Um, but I don't know if Frank Reich's creative enough to come up with the, that type of solution for him after seeing what bombed in Indy. Um, but those are... I. So Debo Samuel had 365 rushing yards and eight touchdowns in 2021. 
this season, could we see a wide receiver get over 500 rushing yards? I'm not going to say 1,000, but I don't think 500 is far-fetched. I I would bet against it. I don't think it's far-fetched. I would, if someone gave me 10 to wait. I would bet against it, too, take. but, yeah, but it's, it's not impossible. You know, what's funny is, like, in, given what we're seeing with contracts at the running back position, too, and how quickly players are – I mean, leagues know, like GMs know now, you don't – it's not a good investment to pay – uh, running back for like a long term, like a second deal, like uh, it, it seems to backfire. I mean, Todd Gurley being maybe an extreme example, but I can't remember last time it really worked for to sign a running back to an extension after his rookie deal where he paid off, you know, made it worth it. Especially, I mean, maybe it's partially because a lot of the running backs end up holding out too, and I feel like the holdouts like Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell, like not the same after, but. Chris Johnson was the first example I thought where he held out and he returned and he just wasn't the same. So I could see things going to where you have less, I mean, honestly, maybe over time, less talented players will want to be running backs. And as a result, your wide receivers will be your best athletes. You'll want them to be able to make an impact on the game by playing running back, but maybe you don't want to play them there too much because they're more valuable as a receiver. So maybe you see a couple guys on a team with 200 yards in a season or something like that um, because you mix it up a bit. Um, it's it's definitely not impossible that somebody has 500 yards. I still think Debo's probably the one to do it if someone were to. I mean, like A.J. Brown, if they started using him that way, seems like he could handle like the amount of uh, pounding that a running back has to take. But um, I don't know that he's like has the same skills as Debo does in terms of vision to actually execute on that. He just seems like he's... Um, you know, he's one of the stronger receivers types. Him and, like, DK Metcalf are probably... Yeah, I was about to say DK put him in that bucket, too. Yeah, um, yeah it's it's interesting. Um, I think every team is going to start having a quote-unquote gadget guy that is capable of pass-catching and running because it seems like the more versatile your skill position guys can be and the more unique and creative ways you can get those guys the ball is going to be what ultimately attributes to winning. Like it's how Kansas city has been so successful the past couple of years. I mean the what Kansas city did to perfect that tight end screen is, is something that I'm just mesmerized by. Um, It's, it's just, it's just crazy. And I'm just, I don't know how to necessarily gauge some of the stuff that's going on from a ranking standpoint. So I just kind of, I've just been looking for guys that look like they have opportunity in strong dynamic offenses. And I've just decided to start drafting a lot more rookies regardless, because it just seemed rookies that have rookies that have a, a window to playing time and productivity, not necessarily the first five weeks of the season, but for weeks to come, because a rookie doesn't really get involved until like week five, honestly, and from from the way the offense is. They might be out there from a snap percentage standpoint, but they're not entrusted with important game situations because there's only one Jamar Chase, and I don't think we're going to see another one for a while. Um Despite, yeah. I mean, Bijan Robinson could potentially have that type of production, but running back is 
like we said, like especially the way that Arthur Smith likes to play running backs, I think you're going to see a heavy dose of Tyler Algier and Cordell Patterson as well, despite having uh, Bijan out there as much as they want to. Yeah. There's... Um... I have a train of thought that I lost, but there's definitely, oh, you know, it, it's funny. There's, I can't remember a talented rookie running back in the last few years coming to league and never getting a fair shot. It seems like they always get some sort of a shot. And because the team wants to know what they have at some point during the regular season. It's, so when you're looking at it, like in the second half of your draft and you're like, all right, uh, tank Bigsby, like he's probably going to get a chance like he, to, to show what he has it, not to say that ETN is going to inevitably get hurt, but very likely he gets hurt and tank Bigsby very similar hurt. situation in Seattle too, with Charbonnet and Walker. Yeah. Charbonnet. Like if you have, I, I honestly don't, I think they should be drafted closer than they are right now because Charbonnet. Yeah, I do is too. Not, yeah. I like the, um, I think God uh, sleeper had the comparison for Charbonnet is he's basically DeMarco Murray. It's like that's good enough to get a lot of run in the NFL if you are similar to Marco Murray. Yeah, um, and so. Charbonnet plays a style that bodes well for staying on field. I think he's a little bit better of a blocker than Kenneth Walker is too in the pass game. Yeah, plus it's not like Walker was. It took Rashad Penny getting hurt for him to really establish himself. Yeah. It's not like he beat out Rashad Penny either. And Rashad Penny's not a world beater at running back either. Um, plus, no. he, I mean that never would have happened if Chris Carson hadn't had to retire because of his neck injury, but. Um, it would be a definitely a different situation there. They, yeah, and think about like how this plays into the draft too. I think the the picks that I had the most angst over were probably in terms of like how much to how much exactly to wait on the running backs at the end because there's you know it's a balance between trying to um, get like the low, the skill position or the non running back players that have less of a chance to step into play, but are probably going to do something more as a baseline. So, like, more reliable players. Like, I'm pretty confident, you know, Michael Mayer is my second tight end. I'm pretty confident, even though he's a rookie, that he's going to be a stable number two tight end, but he's not going to, no rookie tight end is going to set the world on fire. Rashad Bateman, there's a chance that he ends up finally blowing up with a new offense for the Ravens. Like, he could be great, but what's most likely going to happen is he's going to be someone that, we're not going to be thrilled starting every week, but he's better than no one. Debating between those guys and whether or not, in some cases, for example, I wanted to take, um, like, yeah, Devon Kane or a chain. I'm sorry, I don't actually know his. Uh, the Miami rookie. Miami Devon showing. A. Chain? Devon A. Chain, yeah. Um, Damian Harris. Uh, like they both went right after I ended up taking Rashad Bateman and I was considering them pretty heavily there, but I, um, went with Bateman there leaning towards filling out the starting lineup just because I needed to get someone in there. Um, and then by the time I picked again, my choices were a little bit more, a little bit more limited, but, um, and then you did end up picking up big Z in, in the same range. Kendrick Miller went a few picks for my pick. Jared McKinnon went in there. It's a, that, that was the toughest range of the draft for me. Yeah. That's the guy who I wish I would have been able to land in Dynasty was Kendra Miller. It was like, if Kendra was going to fall to me, I was going to take Kendra. If Charbonnet was going to fall to me, I was going to take Charbonnet because I was in that like six seven spot for for Dynasty. And so 
it was kind of a it was it was a it was a tough pill to swallow but it looked like a win-win either way and i think i pro- i think i won more with charbonnet because i think he'll see the field faster kendra miller between everybody all the vets in the room kendra will get some opportunities but i think that he's ha- he has some hurdles to get past some of those guys that are yeah that have been around for a while yeah. so well, we'll see. Maybe I'm completely wrong, and New Orleans sees like we need to give this guy a shot because he's the future, or we need to preserve this guy because he's the future. It's like sink or swim mentality. Uh, we'll see um, what happens early days. Let's let's do some uh, let's do some analysis based on ADP. So um, you've done some mock drafts, I'm sure. Let's let's do it from a kind of like a, a half PPR PPR standpoint. Who is the most overrated player in ADP right now? As as we sit, a lot of people going into their drafts the next couple of weeks. Um, who's who? Where where's the where's the fool's gold here? Ah, uh, good question. Um, first player that comes to mind is uh, I think Tyreek Hill's too high. I think he's too risky for being okay. high. Um, like one of the first receivers off the board. He's eventually, he's the kind of player where eventually, I think, you know, with the speed demon, when they start to fall off and become just the speed guy, necessarily the number one, it happens kind of quickly. Jalen Waddle is there. I don't, there. I think there's too much of a risk of a drop-off. I actually think there's more of a risk that Tyreek Hill starts to show slippage than someone like Travis Kelsey does in that, in that range because hmm. um, he's just, he's so reliant on his youth and athleticism that will just surprise us when it goes away. I don't think Tyreek Hill is a skilled enough receiver that if he loses any speed that he's going to be able to keep it going. So he's someone I'd be nervous drafting as early as like I'm seeing him go. Sure. Okay. That No, I, I would agree with that. And we've seen his comments this offseason. He is thinking about life after football. And he's been very vocal about it, more so than uh, what you would want your stud wide receiver who you just traded the farm for and paid a ton of money uh, to keep uh, in Miami. Uh, So, um, yeah, I'll I'll give one from my from my standpoint here who I think might be a little rich for my blood um, in the top 10 here. I. I think that man, it's tough. I'll I think I'll say I'm gonna say Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Because I don't know how he'll hold up a full season in Shanahan's offense. I don't I think he'll I think he's still if he if, if Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy the whole season, he is top three. No question asked. If he's not healthy for four or five games, he is not top three anymore. So that's something that I do worry about is like, is there going to be a four to five week stint where all of a sudden he's, he's out. And that's my concern. What I, and I just have a hard time taking a running back that high in a draft right now with the amount of, work that Justin Jefferson is going to get the amount of work Jamar Chase is going to get and him and Austin Eckler are both getting older respectively they're not spring chickens anymore um they are they are seasoned 
veterans in this league. And I have just found after last year drafting Brees Hall that I like having a more more youth in my running back stable as a fantasy football manager than um than older guys because it's tough to figure out who's going to be the Jamal Williams or the Cordero Patterson year in and year out. It's almost impossible. So um and I I'm I'm not trying to compare those guys with Christian and and Eckler, but it's 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 those it's still a similar production standpoint. Like Josh Jacobs going to repeat what he did last year? I don't think so. Is he even going to be on the roster? It's not looking like it. Well, it's just yeah. not looking very favorable. Yeah, and it's uh, this might be another one where the fantasy community should it, it maybe isn't fully caught up in terms of ADP versus where a lot of the you know discussion is around. I think there's a strong argument that B. John Robinson just should be the undisputed number one running back this year. It's not. Because, it's not a bad idea because there's right. Like, if you're betting on who's going to be the number one pick in the draft in 2024 fantasy drafts. Bijan Robinson, in my opinion, has to be the favorite. Like it's, I don't think we're going to go through a phase where wide receivers the top pick in fantasy for multiple years in a row. At least not yet. Um, we're, you know, we're coming on no right twenty five thirty years of running backs being the top picks. Um, outside of like a few exceptions here, it'll probably be a return to the norm. It'll probably, like, we can all see like Bijan having a Saquon Barkley like rookie season. Um, maybe not quite as good. Maybe better. Who knows? He, I think that's what you need to think about here is that he is the one that has no age related question marks and they're yeah, he's uh, you'd like to think that Arthur Smith is going to know to use him enough. I mean, like, yeah, and it, it comes down to like, obviously I've picked Algier in the draft we're in, like he's an unsexy yeah. pick and it's always possibly that he shares the load or just Bijan gets hurt. But I think there's, I think that's the conclusion here is that, Maybe more more people need to reach is just take Bijan higher. I know he's a rookie, but yeah, he's the best value. With the amount of running that Arthur Smith wants to do, Algier, Patterson, not terrible picks. Algier yeah. should be picked up, I think, in the middle of most drafts, and Cordell Patterson is not a terrible flyer at the end of drafts because yeah. Cordell Patterson will still be getting special teams production. He's one of the best special teams returners still. Like last year, he was returning touchdowns, which was just insane to me because he didn't even look that fast. But I- I'm watching through the TV, so he's probably a lot faster than than what I see. But it it, it didn't look like it was like it didn't look like um it didn't look like the oh shoot I'm gonna get fried here. It didn't look like the um, it didn't look like Keyshawn Nixon for the Packers. That that that's that you know not to compare him to All Pro returner last year, but um, was spoiled with him watching him. But uh, it it Cordell Patterson's not as fast as Nixon, and he's still returning touchdowns. That's just incredible. Um, okay, so do you remember last year how the the Gabe Davis hype was all the rage? Oh. Who who? Who is that player this year? A player that is on like a top tier offense that's getting way too much buzz, but could definitely get lost in the shuffle because of the offense that they're on and the way that that offense functions. It, it usually is a wide receiver. Um, I'm curious who your thoughts are on this. Well, this isn't. It's not a perfect correlator for Gabe Davis because he's sure. much higher rate right, rated than Gabe Davis, but I think. Um, 
I think fantasy. I, there's a there's a, one of the first lessons I learned in fantasy was like don't get cute. Like, first yep. year I played fantasy, I made a swap like going into the playoffs because of a better matchup. I played my third running back instead of my second running back, and it was a mistake. Like there, there's like there, there's happens. a don't get cute. I think I think we're getting cute with how high we have Amonra St. Brown ranked with Jared Goff as his quarterback. Ooh. Yeah, I think he's, I mean, a lot of people are saying, like, um, for example, there was at least one Twitter, I'm sorry, X uh, thread I saw where <laughs> um, comparing Amonra St. Brown to Garrett Wilson, and the person who started the thread saw it, was like, I don't know, we're going to say Wilson. And honestly, like, for, you know, 20, like, for for a long time, like, you would think that Wilson would be the, the sexier guy. Most people would say that. Almost everyone's coming in and saying, like, oh, Amonra, no, no, no question, he's the higher, higher pick. It's like, eh, I don't think it's that obvious. He's... Again, Jared Goff could fall off here. Uh, Amonra can't stay healthy super well. He's someone who is like you know is lowly wasn't drafted super high, but was a top, like a five star prospect coming out of high school. So he fits the bill in a lot of ways for someone that can break out and be productive. But he's um, he hasn't shown it enough. I think he's someone that he it makes you feel smart when you pick him, and that can be a dangerous player to to be picking it where they are. Okay, so I am a little nervous to to do this one, um, but I think mine might be uh, and and I don't know <clears throat> from an offensive perspective here how this is gonna all measure out, but I I think I'll take um somebody from the Packers, and uh. I know he's looking healthier, but. Jordan Love right now the connections with Romeo Dobbs and I'm not sure what Christian Watson's outlook looks like in the offense. I don't, I'm not saying he's going to get lost in the shuffle, but sometimes when you're that athletic and have the ability to just do so many things, your production can sometimes wane um, in terms of just is your quarterback able to get you the ball? There's a chemistry. There's a lot. It's not like it's it's glaring, but the chemistry isn't there yet between the two of them. And if that's not the case, the production is not necessarily there. Now, I could fall completely on my face and be wrong here, but if I, it's there's a lot of mouths to feed in terms of the Packers' skill position room right now, and there's a lot of guys that want to prove themselves. <clears throat> Aaron Jones is going to get more back involved in the passing game more this year. They've got two dynamic rookie tight ends that seem to be doing a lot. Romeo Dobbs looks incredible. There's... Jer- Jaden Reed is a, is an incredible slot player, and slot routes are way easier to get the ball to guys than on the outside where Christian Watson lives. So it's going to be a more difficult ball for Jordan Love to get to Christian Watson. So I just hope that people won't be too disappointed if they buy all the Christian Watson hype and don't get those results right away in the season. Now, like I said, I could fall completely on my face, and the Packers could be clicking at all cylinders but i don't want to be i don't want to be too bullish on something we haven't seen for an entire season yet this is a completely new offense and after watching things the way they kind of went in the in that game against cincinnati on friday night it seemed like dobbs had the had uh jordan's love eye jordan loves jordan's eyes love. the most yeah <laughs> Yeah, so, this Jordan's love. Yeah, <laughs> Jordan's love. Yeah, yep. There you go. That's it. Yep. Yeah. 
That'll be um, the that'll be who that'll be the name of the the Packers skill position. That'll be the name who has Jordan's love. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll play that we'll play that game uh, on the podcast. I'm sure. Yeah, but a I can just say, this season. Um, I just want to comment on that real quick. So I I I actually that's a really good example of this. I there aren't a lot of Aaron Rodgers receivers who did well when they got a quarterback that wasn't Aaron Rodgers. Like maybe Greg Jennings was the best example of the Vikings. Uh, Jordy Nelson, <laughs> that was that great. Javon Walker was that great. Donald Driver couldn't hang on. Um, there's uh, not a lot of uh, guys that. I mean, Randall Cobb has come back to Aaron Rodgers multiple times now. Um, yeah, I think there's something about the the type of receiver who does well with players accurate as Aaron Rodgers is not necessarily the type of player who does well with a more average NFL quarterback. Not to mention that. We don't actually know how good Jordan Love is, too. Like it, it no, he, yeah. So there's it. It's a, and, it's a, it's a, it's a wild card, for yeah. sure. Yeah, well, yeah it's, it's tough though answer, when but... you out there. So we haven't seen a backup quarterback with the Packers like Sean Clifford since Taysom Hill. So I'm like, this is interesting. Like, because he's a gamer. So I mean, I know he threw two interceptions, but. Man, when he got control of the game, he knew what he he did really well. It seemed like um, was making all kinds of crazy throws, like he did at Penn State. So that was fun to watch. Um, okay, let we'll we'll do this last one. Um, most underrated player this this according to ADP, and then we'll we'll wrap it up. And, and I'm going to start with this one because I think he's getting way too much disrespect. So, like we talked about, you mentioned Tyreek Hill just not having that polished receiver skill. I think we've seen enough from Devontae Adams to know that it doesn't matter who his quarterback is. He will still find a way to be productive no matter what his situation is. Now, I know he kind of tweaked his leg here, but if if he's out there and he's healthy, you know that he's going to play and that the Raiders are going to play him because he's basically the best offensive player. And Jimmy G's not going to have a problem getting him the ball because Devontae Adams doesn't have to run a nine route to get open. And when you have a guy who can get open that short of a, of a, of a yard, Jimmy G, he's not a world beater with his arm, but he'll be able to get the ball to Adams and Adams will still be productive after the catch. He's great at getting yak. He's great at figuring out how to find space in the red zone. I think 13 from an ADP standpoint is way too way too uh, high, and I still think that he has potential to be one of the top receivers in fantasy this year, no matter how many games he plays. Yeah, and actually, it's funny. That's like the one prominent exception to the who does well without Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> like as yes, far as receivers, one hundred percent. He's he's way he's and leave his own as far as like the Rodgers alum alumni, but. Um, I would say what a, most most uh, most underrated right now from ADP that you're seeing. Yeah, so I think I think the upside potential. I have two players in mind. They're both in the uh, around like six seven range, um, where the yeah, there's a chance that they have they do basically nothing, and we're never talking about them another season again. But there is a chance that they take a major step, and we're talking about them as like a high pick next year. One is Javante Williams, who is he's maybe the best tackle breaker in the NFL already. So it's, it, it, it's crazy what he can do. 
yeah, his his metrics backing up. I've never seen a player who can, whose metrics back up the, his legend either and his ability to break tackles. So I think that it doesn't matter too much what the scheme is. If, if as long as he's out there, he's there's a chance that he takes a step and is back to being now, you know, a, a potential first round pick. And the other player is Jahan Dotson because I don't know how many times we want to be disappointed with Terry McLaurin's like actual ability to do what we think he can do like he's had Terry McLaurin's like obviously a, a good player and he's a usable fantasy asset but no one's won a league because of Terry McLaurin and we've definitely have had some instances where people have lost like a string of games because Terry McLaurin keeps putting out you know two catches for 19 yards and like these little um times now obviously Sam Howell is, is gonna have a lot to do with that but Jahan Dotson he's a you know first round talent he was hurt most of last year. When he played, he was pretty good with a um, questionable mix of quarterbacks as well. I mean, Sam Howell also could be – he was another player that he was a high pick until his last year in college. He was projected to be high pick, and then he fell off a little bit. Um, I think actually going into his last year, he was, by a lot of people, supposed to be a first-rounder and then didn't have a great last year in college. That um, it, it could be a good sign that he actually has some talent. It could be a sign that um, – you know, if he was already known, then we should have stayed there. But I like Jahan Dotson as someone who, uh, it just the upside means he should be drafted earlier, in my opinion. I think he should be going ahead of some players like, um, I think he should be going ahead of DJ Moore. I think he should be going ahead of Christian Watson. I think he should be Whoa. going ahead of DeAndre Hopkins. Um, but he's... In, so, it's, he it's funny. I'm, yeah. I'm looking at that range right now here on this ranking sheet. That's like a collection. And I'm on a PPR I'm on PPR rankings, just to preface. Yeah. So 49, D-Hop, 50, Miles Sanders, 51, Terry McLaurin, 52, D- Jerry Judy, 53, DJ Moore, 54, Christian Watson. So we think Jahan Dotson, according to your opinion, should be in that range? I think that's the range, as opposed to where he is now, where he's more so lumped in with, like, say, Christian Kirk and Marquise Brown and um, uh, who else is around there. I guess Gabe Davis is there now, but... Okay. Yeah, I think he's like needs to go another like ten picks higher. Or so it, it's it. He's kind of like a rookie. Like he, we should kind of be giving him a little bit more of the rookie treatment, even though he, you know, he was rookie last year. Um, yeah, yeah. But also, and just one other to mention too is that since you mentioned Judy in that range too, there's this is year I think everyone's on Judy. Where last year was everyone on Cortland Sutton, and we might be getting that backwards again. No, I don't want to play that game with the Broncos receivers. Yeah. I just, it's, I don't want, I've been burned so many times by Sutton. I'm just, I understand where you're coming from. And if the value makes sense, it's going to be like, well, might as well if, if I'm getting him for a dollar or I'm getting him this late, but I'm probably going to avoid him like the plague, to be honest. Um, regardless of that, you have some plans for the season. Um yeah doing some extra videos to tell the people where they can find you throughout the season uh, outside of this podcast. Yeah. So the YouTube channel is coming. So I've uh, cut my teeth now on another YouTube channel, a little bit of a different topic. Uh, it's a trivia based topic, but I know the system now and that's going to accompany the blog this year. So just stay with Byron dash cobalt.com or just the Byron cobalt Reddit or Twitter usernames. And you'll see that start to come out. I'm going to launch that week one with the first article for fantasy games. One, um, I have a few articles to wrap up for the blog for the summer. I have to catch up a little bit on recapping a 
Debbie League mock draft I've been running for the past 10 years, so we'll see if I can squeeze that in before week one. No videos are going to accompany that right away, but yeah, so I was told, you know, I've been told before that I have a face perfect for radio, and 2023 is, <laughs> the new radio is YouTube, and that's how it works, right? That means it'll go perfectly. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine there's any other, uh, any advice I'm missing there, but um, yeah, so uh, everyone can stay tuned for that. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you stopping by as always, and we'll look forward to your season content, and hopefully we'll have you on sometime throughout the season. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having Awesome. Good luck enjoy this year. Your, enjoy your preseason. Yeah. You too.